and I got off the phone and within 30 seconds, I sat there and I said, oh, holy crap. I'm not as smart as they think I am. I've never done this. How long? And I remember asking myself this question. How long is it going to take them to realize I'm not who they thought I am? Looking to leave the nine to five and elevate your side hustle, the Hustle the Day podcast is the podcast for you. Your host, Trent Bray, left the nine to five grind behind and is helping others do the same and focus on the future. Hear from others who have done it and how they did it. Jump in as we talk entrepreneurship, mindset, and strategy. Just take it one day at a time and hustle the day. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I have Jeff Cochran on the show. Jeff started his company just a few short months ago, left his nine to five, and we talk about the struggles and challenges of that happening, but he always manages to put a positive spin on it, which is awesome. Great stories that he shares. Let's jump into it and listen in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited and honored to have Jeff Cochran on the show today. Jeff, why don't you jump in? Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Yeah, man. Trent, thanks so much for having me today. It's an honor to be on the Hustle of the Day podcast. Um, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee right now with my wife and two boys, a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. So our house is always a party. It's a smelly party, but it's a party. And uh, I spent 17 years in local church ministry before stepping out of that January of this year to start my own business, go full out in the middle of a pandemic. So some would say I'm crazy. Some would say, you know, I'm a pioneer. I don't know which one I am yet, but I'm excited about how God is using it. And really what I did, man, is as someone who is in ministry, I've really just transitioned my ministry. I don't see myself as someone who's less in ministry or less of a pastor or helping people less because I'm in business now. I see it as a greater opportunity to help people in different avenues, different ways, maybe people who uh, wouldn't step foot in a church per se. So that's kind of my goal. That's who I am. I want to be, had someone asked me the other day, they said, Jeff, tell us who you are in one sentence. And I said, I'm a launcher of people. I want to launch people, businesses, churches, no matter who you are, I want to launch you into your full potential because there's greatness in you, uh, just like we're seeing in you, man, and everything that you're doing and, and, and how God has worked it with you. I believe there's greatness in every individual. So I want to spend the rest of my time, the rest of my days looking people eyeball to eyeball, even if it's over a Zoom screen and saying, here's the greatness I see in you, how I think you can get there. And uh, I don't necessarily want my name to be great, but I would love to be one of the names behind a bunch of great people. And to say at the end of my life, I helped people who did great things for the world become their best selves. So that's really me in a nutshell, man. I, I, I probably need less of your energy drinks, not more at this point, but. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I love your energy. So one thing that you, you brought up that it, it, we had a conversation prior to this recording and there's something that you, it just kind of clicked as you were talking about your intro there. You talked about how you wanted to be able to help this church that you were working with, but the best way to do it was to remove yourself from it and act more as a consultant. And it's yep. interesting how that works out. I was, I had an interview with somebody who uh, was doing social work, and they found that they could do a better job 
being out of the social work and crafting legislation towards helping social workers out because their hands were tied to a certain extent. So it's funny mm -hmm. how that works out, but sometimes you need to remove yourself from the situation and step back so that you can see the bigger picture so that you can create more of that impact. Yeah. And man, that that's that's one of the biggest things I see with the nine to five that is crazy. And and our your listeners are going to resonate with this, but when you work for someone on salary at a nine to five, they trust you less than if they bring you in as a consultant that they don't know. That blows my mind. Businesses, churches, I see it all the time. When you hire people, why would you hire people to do a job and then not trust them to do it, not trust their expertise? And one of my favorite things as a consultant, man, well, I walk into a business or I walk into a larger church. And one of the things that we do with um, one company that I've worked for on the side, Ministry Architects for years, they really taught me this, this way of doing this with churches. And now I do things like it with businesses. But I'll go in, I'll do focus groups, man, with, um, with people who attend the church or with customers of the business. And then we do it with staff members. And about two days of focus groups, all I've done is listen. I'm just taking notes. And you want to know what? The answer that I come up with was always in those notes. Now, I don't use that just by itself. I'm looking with my, with my own eyes because one of my gifts is to, to see what's, what's wrong and what could be, right? What could be in a situation that's not my own. But I always go back and find that someone who was on that staff already had the answer. And they usually said, yeah, but they don't, they don't trust us to to do that. So one of the things I try to do with organizations when I work with them is go, Hey, by the way, we've had, you know, a year we've been working together and you've seen you know this impact. We've had two years or we've had 18 months. And I love going from doing this on the side to being able to go and do it full time, but we'll look at it. And at the end, I'll say, Hey, just, you know, just, so you know, let me tell you who on your team had this answer before you ever hired me. And if they're making $50,000 a year, and you just paid me a $200,000 contract over two years, you, that was a waste of money. Okay, you, you had it on your team, right? So that's one of the crazy things though, man. People jump out of the nine to five and as a freelancer, as a consultant, as a coach, as all those things, you're all of a sudden worth more. Um, so if anybody's listening who's leading their, their own business and you've got employees, trust the people you hire. Otherwise, they'll be your competitor one day instead of being your most loyal supporter. Absolutely. And you know what, that's one thing that I think has made you passionate about leadership. That's the great thing about what you're doing is you're helping train the next level of leaders so that they can do this on their own without having to go outside the organization and empower those people. And you'll get more loyal employees by doing that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, and, and part of it's our fault. Like I just, you know, I put kind of put organizations on blast and key leaders on blast and uh, but a lot of it's our fault too, because as an employee, I know, you know, I, I can be a bit aggressive, you know, sometimes I, I when I see something, I want to move, I want to move fast. I don't want to wait. If we know the right answer, why would we wait? So part of what I do in my leadership development is I'm trying to help people take their leadership to the next level so that they can have greater influence within their organization, teaching them that sometimes it's not just having the best idea that wins. Sometimes you have to love people, listen to people, and empower people so that you can get your idea through. And sometimes you'll have an idea, and this is, again, this blows my mind, but it is just true, and it's one of the things I help people to see. Sometimes 
you'll have the right idea, but you're not the right person to share it, right? And next level leaders know, okay, I've got an idea. Who do I need to plant the seed of this idea into their ears in the organization to get it done? And uh, man, that was probably the, the last couple of years that I was at my church. It is a great church. But I started realizing my own leadership, hey, I'm a little aggressive. Sometimes people, you know, aren't going to take me the same way. Sometimes it needs to come from higher up or lower in the organization. So I would see something and I just I stopped telling people a bunch of ideas. I started putting those seeds into other people and going, hey, you should take that. Totally still that. That's your idea. Because if you don't care who gets the credit, you know, really good things can happen. And when the right people took that idea to the right, you know, person to hear it, things would happen. So Sometimes next level leadership is simply reading the room and going, okay, who needs to hear what, who needs to say what sometimes for me, it's walking into, you know, uh, a meeting with a potential client and saying, this is one, I need to do this over dinner. So I can bring my wife with me because she is, she's different in the way she's going to approach this. She's going to where, where I may lose this contract. She may get it. And even though they're not hiring her, she knows the right thing to say, which I guess is the cool part. I'm married to a therapist. So having a therapist for a wife, that helps me to read people pretty well. So uh, I guess if I'm, if I'm ever sitting across from someone who's listening and we're, we're negotiating a potential contract, if I bring my wife, you're in trouble. I'm, I'm sorry. She's really good. <laughs> That's great. Uh, no, I definitely have experience with that where I worked at a company where I often had to make it seem like it was the leaders, the, the person, you know, just above me make it seem like it was their idea or when it was my idea I was trying to implement, I had to sit there and slowly plant the seed and, you know, get them on board with it and make it seem like it was their idea to be able to get that, to get that idea through, which it does require swallowing some ego, but at the same time, it, it creates the greater good. And, you know, it, it helps implement those things that are going to ultimately help you by That's right. helping the company itself. But one thing you did is you you mentioned, you know, you started your own company here at the beginning of the year. Congratulations on that. Uh, Thanks, man. Yeah, it's been an exciting first quarter. We talked about it a, a little bit before uh, recording about how, you know, we're, we're here at the end of the first quarter of the year. You're a quarter way through your first year in business. You're hitting goals on paper. It's But at the same time, it's still crazy that that much time has passed already. So what was the experience like for you transitioning out of the day job to doing your own thing? Yeah, that's a great question. It was simultaneously, Trent, the scariest and most liberating thing I've ever done in my life, right? I knew I needed to do it. I have about 20 people in my inner and outer circles that I asked when I said, hey, I'm, I'm feeling this stirring. Okay, this is early to mid-December, I'm feeling this stirring. And I think my time in traditional local church ministry may be coming to an end, but if so, here's what I feel like God's calling me to. It's not to take one of the church job offers. I've consistently had church job offers for, for years, you know, but I felt called to my city. I didn't want to move my family. So I started sharing with people this idea of, of becoming a coach and consultant who is just out there to launch people and businesses and their full potential. And 19 out of 20, I expected them to try to talk me out of it, Trent, but 19 out of 20 said, that's what you were created for. And if it was ever a time to do it, it was now like 19 people out of 20 who I ask, who love me, who care for me, who are all more conservative than I am about these things said, no, Jeff, you were made to go do this, to leave your career, 
in the middle of a pandemic, go do it. We believe in you, right? So that was exciting and it was liberating to do. And I don't think I had the first bit of real fear. So I was fearful before. And when I heard that from other people in my life saying, no, we see it. I said, okay, I'm not fearful anymore. And then I wasn't fearful until January 1st, but I woke up, you know, I went to bed last day of December, New Year's Eve. I, I mean, I was, I was, I was getting paid. I had a paycheck. I was on holiday leave and everything. And I woke up January 1st, no paycheck. Right. And all of a sudden this reality set in. So uh, about three weeks in, my wife came home on a Friday and I was all smiles and talking to her and my kids. And she said, so how was your week? And I said, honestly, it was the best week of work I've ever had in my life. I'm fired up. I'm passionate. I'm excited. I feel rested at the end of the week but it was also the least amount of money I've ever made in my life. I made $0 this week, you know? So that was kind of, that's been the tension. That's been the tension, but we had a plan of how we could, how we could step out. And I think that's part of why you always want to save. You always want to have, you know, kind of rainy day funds. You want to have some options for yourself because sometimes when you feel that stirring and that calling, you need to go now, but if you don't have any margin, you can't go now. So, and that's what we were talking about before the, you know, for the, uh, recording started was uh, one of my goals was by the end of the first quarter, man, I had to be, I had a certain amount of dollars I need to be making to be paying my bills from my side. So I had three months to go from nothing to, to something. Right. So, um, that was kind of, that was kind of the deal, but without that margin, we couldn't have done it. So, um, everything in my life is up into the right right now. Everything is better than it's ever been. I'm more passionate, more healthy, more energized, the only thing that's not better than it's ever been is finances, and those are catching up. So, uh, but I want people to know when they think about leaving nine to five, it is exciting. It's also scary, and it's okay to live in that place where those intertwine, right? That's totally okay. I actually think that's where we're our best. And uh, I, I had a friend who said this right before I jumped. It was one of the, the 20 people I asked, one of the 19 that said yes. And I said, is this the right time, though? should I wait? And at that point I said, should I wait until like April of this year? So I would just be jumping now. And they looked at me and I'll never forget what they said. They said, Jeff, you're the kind of guy that until you jump and like, it's your life depends on it. You're not going to make it happen anyway. He said, so whether you jump then or you jump now, he said, it's going to have to be that stress of, Oh, 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 dang it. This is real. Right. And if you don't do that, you're not going to do it. So man, I took the leap without a parachute and it's okay, right? Because what's the worst? And I, I would just challenge your listeners with this. What's the worst thing that could happen if I fail? If they're thinking about leaving the nine to five, if they got a dream in their heart, an entrepreneurial dream, what's the worst thing that could happen? And when I asked that question, it took the club out of fear's hand. Because when I ask it, here's what I found. What's the worst thing that could happen if I fail? I go back into traditional church ministry, get a job, doing something I've always loved to do anyway, making the same amount or better money than I was making. There's no downside. There's really no downside other than to my pride and maybe a little bit of, maybe a little bit of debt if I got to that point. But the, the downside, what happens if I don't take the risk? I'm lying on my deathbed saying, what could have been? Who could I have been? And here, here's the, the unique perspective I've got to have as a pastor that most people don't have. I've sat with people on their deathbeds. One of the hardest things in ministry was the times I was sitting with people when they were about to pass from this life. But you know what? Nobody I've ever sat with 
has said, I wish I had taken less risks. They've almost all said, I wish I took more. So you know what? Worst thing that happens if I fail, it's a blow to my ego, maybe a small blow to my finances, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and wonder. I would rather know I squeezed every ounce of juice out of this life that I could. And I want to help other people do the same thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the way you you described the the experience of managing this the being scared, but you know, also being excited. And I've I've been on the the wrong end of that where it's been like, I have no safety net, no savings. Let's just jump in because I have this idea that I came up with an hour ago. <laughs> And I'm going to go go for it full force. And, and that lights a fire under you. But at the same time, a stressful fire is a lot different than a scared fire. You know, it's, it's one of those nuances yeah. that, that makes a difference. Being scared about it, but, you know, leaning into that and still going with it. That's a great way to do it. So you're only a quarter into this, you know, three months in. What has been your biggest learning experience or your biggest failure so far and what have you learned from it? Yeah. Um, probably my, my biggest struggle, and I don't even know if I would call it a failure um, because everything's been a learning experience so far, but I don't sell myself well. I really, really struggle to sell myself well. And maybe part of that's just me. Maybe part of that's from being in the church where, you know, everything you do is, is given to people, right? But I really struggled with that. So I have a brand new book that came out uh, at the beginning of March. And as I was preparing for it to release at the beginning of the year, I sat down with a friend who does PR uh, for a big organization here in Knoxville. If I said the name, everybody listening would know it, even if you have never been to Knoxville. But she looked at my website, looked at some other stuff, and she said, Jeff, you've got to get better at selling yourself if you're going to survive with this. She said, I read your bio on your website, and it was more about me than you. And I was pretty excited by that. I was like, absolutely, you know, because I, I, my business is about you. I want to help you live and lead your best life. I am here to help stuck businesses um, and, and stuck people stop waiting and start thriving, right? That's what I'm here for. And she said, yeah, but if you don't give people a reason to buy from you, then you're a guy who believes in them, but they don't know who you are and you're what they're buying. So she made me rewrite my bio three times three times before I actually got it right. Okay. And, and she would send things back and she said, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And my wife was in on it too. What about this? And I'm like, it feels like a list of my accomplishments. And they said, that's what a bio is, you know, but I struggle with that. So um, one of the things I'm in right now is a 30 day challenge for people. It's a 30 day jumpstart challenge where I said, Hey, take 30 days, $30 risk-free. We're going to pick one goal one goal to go after. You're going to get daily teaching with it in a, a private Facebook group. You're going to get coaching from me, but we're going to pick one goal. And if you don't hit it, I give you your $30 back, right? But if you, if you hit it, then your life is going to be transformed. Your life is going to be changed. Well, even with that stuff, I don't want to promote, after I promote something like my book or the 30 day jumpstart or a podcast, I want to promote it one or two times. And if it doesn't fill up, if it doesn't top the charts, I want to quit. Not because I'm done with it, but because I, I simply don't want to be salesy, right? But if I can get in front of people, I know when I can get in front of them, they want to buy the book. They want to listen to the podcast. They want to ask me about coaching. So what I'm having to do, and this has been the biggest struggle for me, is to treat marketing and to treat the larger piece of selling myself to say, hey, this is the same thing as when I'm in front of someone else. 
So I've got to tell them who I am if they don't know me. I've got to give them a reason to trust me. But then I've got to find that way of it's not just about me. It's about, it's about you. But if you'll trust me, I'm going to put it on the line for you. So with that 30-day Jumpstart Challenge, it was my learning from the first really almost three months of the year because we started on April 5th. And it was one of those where I said, you know what? Two things I've learned. People are scared to move on coaching and consulting because they say, well, once I pay someone to come in and do this and I fail, then everybody knows. Scared of failure, right? So one of the things I did was I said, okay, let me give you a 30-day money-back guarantee, and it's going to do two things. One, it says to you, if you fail to reach your goal in this 30-day program, that's on me. As the program creator, as the coach, that's on me. I failed, not you. So let's take that club right out of fear's hands, okay? You picked a bad program, risk-free, I'll give it back to you, okay? But it also says this, this guy's confident enough to offer a money-back guarantee on what he's doing when he's already, anybody can do the math and look at what they're getting and know I'm not making much money off of it, right? But what I know is if I can help you for 30 days, I can help you to reach a goal in 30 days you've been stuck on for 10 years. You've been thinking about writing that book, thinking about starting that podcast, thinking about starting that business, and I help you do it in 30 days, then you're going to say, okay, Jeff, let's talk about deeper level coaching. Let's talk about some of those courses that you have, right? So I think one of the biggest failures was not selling myself well or settling or trying to sell what could be to people without getting, without really being intentional about connecting with their fears. Um, so that's what, what I'm learning, connect with people's fears show them that there is a better way. And then I can't be scared to show my confidence. Um, I don't want to be a prideful guy. I don't want to be cocky. And I hope I'm none of those things. But I am confident that I can help you no matter who you are, what your business is, reach your full potential. And it's not because of me. It's because I've seen enough to know every single one of us has greatness in us. And my gift is not being an expert. My gift's not being the smartest person in the room. I rarely am the smartest person in the room. But my gift is being able to see uniquely something inside of everyone, pull it out and say, hey, did you know this was here, right? So um, that's been kind of the thing. If you're going to leave the nine to five, you're going to jump into business on your own. You can't be scared of failure, but you also can't be scared to put yourself out there. But as you put yourself out there, it has to be confidently through the lens of other people because people don't want to buy cocky. They want to buy someone who's genuine. And my hope is for people who are, listen to this podcast that they can hear it coming through the coming through their airpods right now coming through the car speaker that this guy cares about me because if that's the truth if you can hear i'm confident but i care about you everything else is going to take care of itself but i let my lack of confidence actually drown out the care early on wow that was that was impactful you could feel the passion as you're talking about that so and and we've talked to prior to this of, you know, I really feel like you're underselling yourself, uh, you know, not, not only from what you're capable of, but also from a pricing perspective, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that. It's like, wow, this is, are you sure you're really only charging this much? So before Jeff finds out yeah. his true value, if anybody, if this is resonating with anybody, check out his website, we'll, we'll post that in the show notes, but um, before he realizes his value, take him up on these things. So, um, uh, I, I love that you, you put out this book. It's a great book. Um, next level leader. 
what was it like for you to write that book? Yeah, it, it was really liberating. You know, 81% of Americans surveyed said they want to write a book. They believe there's a book in them. Less than 1% ever write it. So by the way, if that's you, I've got a course called From Blank Page to Publish in 365. I'll help you write that book in a year. It shouldn't take you three years like it took me. I've learned how to do it much quicker. I'm working on books two and three right now. But it was liberating partially because of where the book came from, you know, and, and I share this in the introduction of the book, but the book started when close to six years ago, I took a job at a church that was bigger than me. I don't know if you've ever taken a job that was bigger than you, but I went from leading 90, 95 people on a great day, right? To leading a ministry of over a thousand a month, 500 a week, and more volunteers than I'd led people before. Okay. You add on to that volunteers are the hardest people in the world to lead because there's no paycheck. There's no goals you can hold. You have to speak into their heart, man. Like to get them to stay, you have to speak in that mission. So I was getting ready to take this job. And I remember the day I was sitting in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, and I got off the last phone interview where they offered me the job. I'd accepted the job. I had it super confident. And I guess it's the way I'm wired because I didn't really get scared until after I jumped on the business either. I was great. And I got off the phone and within 30 seconds, I sat there and I said, oh, holy crap. I'm not as smart as they think I am. I've never done this. How long? And I remember asking myself this question. How long is it going to take them to realize I'm not who they thought I am? Okay. So I had, I had two things. One, I'm not ready for this yet. This is a massive leap. Two, I can be, but I'm not yet, right? I can be, but I'm not yet. So I, I took the yellow notepad because I always have a yellow notepad on my desk, no matter where I'm at. In the middle of nowhere, Alabama, I wrote down this question. What separates average leaders from those who go to the next level? And for the next year, year and a half, I asked that question. I called any great leader that I could. I would have cost them coming off stages at events, not in like a, you know, a way to get arrested, but more just like a, hey, I'm, I'm here. Notice me. Um, I honestly, man, there were a couple of times where at conferences and stuff, I just walked places I shouldn't have been without passes acting like I should be there. You know, and some friends would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, Hey, half of life is just, you know, acting like you belong. And I would get to places and get a question or two. Right. So I interviewed everyone that I could, anyone who would listen, I asked them that question, what separates average leaders from those who go to the next level? And as I started putting the things I heard into practice, my leadership transformed. I was six months into this new job. And they started talking to me about greater roles and saying, Hey, would you like this role? You should get ready to the, uh, get used to the idea of being in this role. And I'm sitting there thinking on the inside, I don't know what I'm doing in the current role yet. Like <laughs> I'm just winging it. But what they saw was they saw my leadership growing. And that was the moment where I realized Trent, this should be a book. So I started getting intentional about making it not just questions, but research and writing down, taking all the notes that I have. I started calling more people, writing it down, even got to meet people like John Maxwell and ask him this question. And I discovered that everybody was saying the same 15 things. So I distilled the answers from the greatest leaders in the world into 15 things that kept getting repeated and into three sides of the leadership triangle. And I said, you know what? I'm writing this book because I want to help other people transform their leadership the way that I transform mine, but I don't want it to be a one size fits all. So I had to really deconstruct this and say, how, what is an approach where if a thousand people take the assessment, they get a thousand different paths to their next level because you're different than me. 
right? So putting that together was liberating. It was incredible because I knew it was a way to help people. But more than that, it was a reminder of if we will, we have two choices when we face insecurity. When I was sitting there at my office in Alabama, getting this job invitation, I could let my insecurity talk me into saying, you made a mistake, go tell them you can't take the job. Or I could have said, you made a mistake. Let's see how long you can fake it before they realize it. Can you get two years out of this thing, right? Can I parlay this into another job? Because uh, I know people who have done that. But the other option was, okay, I can lean into the insecurity and say, this is the tension I'm going to need to become the man that I need to become. And I did. So now this book is helping other people do the same thing, which is a lesson to me. Don't run from insecurity. Don't let insecurity make you make bad decisions. Lean into insecurity and let it be the tension, right? The tension on the rubber band of that slingshot that slingshots you into something new. And then when you get that slingshot experience, never learn something and keep it to yourself. Maybe it's not a book. Maybe for you, it's a podcast. Maybe it's not a podcast. It's not a book. It's not a website. It's not a blog. Maybe for you, it's simply finding three people who you care about, who are a little further behind you in leadership and sharing it with them, but never learn a lesson that liberates you and makes you better without teaching it to someone else. Share that gift because if we share that gift, people go further faster. And I've got to go further faster because of people sharing that gift with me. So I would tell anybody, if you're going to write a book, it's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done in your life because it's going to, it's going to point on that insecurity. Even when you get it done, you send it to an editor. And the first thing they do is send you back, man, a document with so much red on it, you can't read. I think my first round of edits, I had more notes from them than I had words in my manuscript, right? But what it does is if you can fight through that insecurity and get to the end, then you realize even in my greatest insecurities, there's gold there. There's something there. So it's not only going to make you better, but it's something pretty incredible that you can lean into your insecurities and teach other people, hey, we all have something there. I don't want people, Trent, to think Jeff wrote a book, Jeff started his own business, he's got it all together. I'm far from it. And I want you to know I'm as broken and jacked up as anybody else that's listening. But we all have the potential if we lean into that to get better every day. And if we get better every day, we'll be light years ahead of where we were when we started. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that story too. I mean, that is incredible where you took that experience and a lot of people would do exactly like you mentioned of parlay it into another job, see how long they can make it through that. Um, you know, that's one of those things where they're like, all right, I'll just try and skate by. But you immediately took a 180 and said, I'm going to learn. I'm going to do everything I can, which I think is a great example of hustle. So I, because it is the Hustle of the Day podcast, I've got to ask you, what is your definition of the word hustle? My definition of the word hustle is bring in your own energy. In the book, I, I spent a whole chapter on it. I call it hunger. Um, a lot of people would call it passion. But you have to have something inside of you if you want to level up your leadership. You have to have something inside of you that wakes you up, right? Makes your own energy. We have to be leaders who bring our own weather, okay? I'm looking outside. It's raining in Knoxville, Tennessee today, right outside my window here in my office. But where I go, it's not raining. Where I go, it's not a bad day because where I go, I'm bringing my own energy, okay? When I wake up in the morning, 
there's nobody at my office. My office is at my house. There's nobody to get me going. I have to get myself going. So we all need, if we're going to hustle, we need a why. We need a reason. We need a burden, something that burns in our guts that gets us going. And man, I want to help people in any way I can with this business. And because I'm a, I'm a person of faith, I think about it this way. And, and I'm not telling you, you need to think about it this way. But what I would say for listeners is find the way you need to think about it to fill your own cup, to stoke that fire inside of you. But I'm a man of faith. I spent a lot of time in ministry. So here's what I want to do. At the end of my life, I really do believe I'm going to stand before Jesus and have to give an account of, hey, what did I do with the gifts you gave me, right? I want to stand before him and say, I made a lot of mistakes. I was far from perfect. But everybody I met, I helped, right? I want to look back and say, the only, the only resume I have, it's not, it's not any works. My resume is, you gave me gifts, and I simply poured them out on these people, right? I want to hear, well done, okay? I want my kids to look at me and say, that's what it looks like to love people well. That's what it looks like to live a life beyond yourself. So I go to bed with that fire burning of my mission, my mandate is to help as many people as possible. I cannot waste a day. I go to bed ready to get up the next morning. So I go to bed with anticipation for what I get to do. So I don't wake up begrudgingly going, gosh, I got to get out of the bed. This is going to be a struggle. What do I do today? Because I do, I do two things. I go to bed with that passion, that hunger, that anticipation of I get to help people tomorrow. And there's more people to help than I can help tomorrow. So I just got to fill that day up. I got to find a way to help people. And then I say, how am I going to do that tomorrow? I have an app on my phone. It's called Commit to Three. And every night before I fall asleep, I write down three things, three big goals. If I do those three, the day's a win. If I don't do those three, the day's a loss. There's probably 20 things on my to-do list, but these three are going to move the mission forward. Okay. Every single day, 365 days a year, I'm taking over a thousand major steps toward my goal of launching people and launching businesses. So because I do that, I go to bed every night with two things. One, I'm excited and in anticipation about helping people and about the mission tomorrow, but also I know exactly how. So the first thing I do when I wake up is I grab my phone and before anything I do, I'll pull up my commit to three and say, this is what's in front of me today. Time to go get it. Time to go get it. So if you're going to hustle, find a way, find a why that's going to be the fuel to that fire in your belly. Because if someone else has to get you going, this, this life is not for you. You know, you, you got to do something else. Maybe the nine to five is for you. So before you take that leap, find something that's going to drive you when no one else is around to do it. I love that. Love it. That is awesome. So honestly, that, that comes full circle to where I came up with hustle energy. So that hunger that you speak of, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I understand the easy misconception with the focus product being called hustle focused energy um, that people think of it as creating that energy, adding caffeine or something like that. But what it really mm -hmm. was born out of is I was stuck in a nine to five and I wanted to channel that hustle energy. I wanted to channel that feeling to get out mm -hmm. there and crush the goals and go after all the things that all those big dreams that I 
have for myself and for other people. And so I love how you described it. I love that hunger that you have. And you definitely are bringing that energy. Um, in just the couple of times we've talked, it's like, yes, this guy's got it. He's, he, he's set up for this. And so, you know, it's exciting to see where you're going to take this and what the next steps are. So I've got to ask, you know, you've got your 30 day challenge going on. What are the next steps for you? Well, I, I really want to see, you know, if this challenge goes the way I expect it to, I like to do that a few times a year, just to help people break loose of being stuck. Um, I'm going to continue writing a book a year. Uh, that's kind of my goal for the rest of my life. As long as I can, I want to write a book a year. And uh, I, I'm really just pouring myself into uh, whether it's a business that I'm helping go from unstuck to productive or a person that I'm helping go from unstuck to, you know, to, to stop waiting and start living. Because the, the second most common goal that people have today is to stop procrastinating. We know that all the other goals are stuck on us procrastinating. But I want to do all of those things in really the same ways. I'm going to do it through coaching. I'm going to do it through courses. I'm going to do it through communicating, which is speaking. It's these podcasts. It's my podcast. It's books, right? And I'm going to do it through those, those online challenges. So for me, I, I don't even know necessarily what is next. I've got some things on my, my dream board. I've got some things I'm working on. But really, I'm looking for any opportunity and, and just saying, hey, where's that next opportunity? to help a person, to help a business level up. So I'm going to continue offering courses. I'm going to continue offering challenges. And my hope is by the end of the year to have a subscription service where people can buy into, hey, getting full access to the course library in the, the previous challenge library, but also having monthly coaching and mastermind groups in that. So really being able to say, hey, if you're going to put your money somewhere, not just me, but some of the best leaders on the planet, we're going to pour into you to help you go after your goals, not to become carbon copies of us, but I, I would love to have that subscription service, a mastermind um, plan and uh, coaching to come with it so that people who say, no, I'm ready to break that nine to five, I'm, I'm ready to go do something different, that they would have a place to go and say, okay, I've got a team of people around me to help me and a community of other people who are doing like-minded stuff. So I had to do it kind of alone. So far, I've got a few connections. I want to help drive that so that people have much, much more. Um, and I would say this. I really believe, Trent, right now, listening, there are 100 people with 100 books that the world needs. There are 100 books that have yet to be released. There are 100 podcasts that have yet to be published, yet to be put out there, right? There's probably at least 50 blogs that, that people are craving that they're looking for. There's businesses that answer problems in your community, but the reason why that problems have been answered is because it's in you. So I would just really say whatever I'm doing, what is next for me is I would hope that every time someone hears the sound of my voice, they read a word that I wrote, that it unlocks something in them. And my prayer is that today, right now, there's someone listening and something's unlocking in them because there's just something better in you. So if you're listening, I want you to hear me right now. If you can't believe in you yet, borrow my belief. I don't have to meet you to believe in you. And whether it's me, whether it's another coach, whether it's another course, it does not matter. Just take a step toward that dream that God's put inside of you, and he will meet you every step of the way. Wow. That, that was powerful. I, honestly, I don't, 
I don't feel like you can top anything <laughs> outside of what you just described. And I love that. I love that you're willing to share that belief and, you know, you see that in people when they don't see it in themselves. And so I, I want to be respectful of your time. You, you know, we've already had a couple conversations and it's been, it's been magnificent and I, I don't want to keep that all to myself. So I want you to get out there and yeah. be able to share that with more people. So I just want to ask you one final question and then I'll give you a chance to plug where people can best find more information about you. But I want to ask you, what is it that excites you about the future? I think what excites me about the future most is out of all the problems that we're facing, man, honestly, like we we're going through a global pandemic together. I never thought I would say that. Okay. That's, that's new. Um, we've got more political unrest in the United States than I've ever seen. We're looking at racial injustice and racial inequality, and it's easy to look around at everything that's going on and say things are worse than they've ever been. But for me, what's exciting me most about the future is I would say between technology, between what's out there, we have more avenues, more avenues to change the world than we ever have. So I really believe every problem we have in the world right now, there's a person to solve it. There's a person to solve it. So I don't, I don't think the answer is in the masses. I don't think the answer is in our politicians. I don't think the answer is in organizations. I think the answer is in me and I think it's in you and I think it's in every listener. So what excites me most, Trent, is I can do something about that. I can do something about that. Every person I meet, I'm going to either unlock something inside of them or they're going to say, I don't want to spend time around that guy again because staying where you're at is not an option around me. Okay. And I've got people, I'm not their cup of tea. They don't want to be my friend because staying stuck is not what we're doing. Okay. But I can make that impact one life at a time. I can make that impact and then they can go and make that impact. And then they can go and make that impact doing nothing but calling out the greatness inside of the people we meet and sharing the gift that's already in us with the world. Those two things, that's what's going to change the world. And it doesn't matter who you are that's listening. We can all do those two things. What's in me that needs to come out, share that gift with the world. Don't you dare steal that gift from the world because it's inside of you for a reason. Whether you believe in God, whether you don't, that doesn't matter. There's a gift in you and it's for the world. So give that gift for the world. Go after that dream and everybody that you meet, be kind and have an eye out as you're listening, what's inside of them that no one's ever called out that I can just reach my hand in and pull out. Sometimes it's simple as saying, hey, you got an incredible smile. Thanks so much for coming to work with joy. I was at a gas station the other day and I told the lady that and you would have thought it turned her world upside down. No one's ever thanked her for having that smile before. That smile is powerful. That smile is contagious, right? So wherever you go day-to-day -day life, Call out what you see, pull it out of people. And if we'll give our gift to the world, we'll call greatness out of people. Then one by one, everywhere we go, we start a multiplication movement that will change the world. And eventually our politicians and our leaders and our business leaders will be looking to the people around them for answers. How much better of a world would it be if businesses, like we talked about them uh, just a moment ago, if businesses started looking to the people they hired on their teams for answers instead of everywhere else, it's the same thing. What would happen if our politicians 
who, by the way, if you understand our constitution, we elect to represent us, right? What would happen if our politicians started actually asking, hey, you guys are smart. My constituents are smart. What are you thinking? Write in, tell us, right? But we, they can't do that if we're insecure, we're sitting on our gift, and we're not calling any. Most of us have our head down just trying to survive our day so much. We can't call the greatness out of anybody. But what excites me most, to get back to it, it was a really long answer. But Trent, what excites me most is that we literally have the power in what we do and in our own hands to change the world one life at a time. So I just think we can do it. And I think people are doing it all over. And I think there's a lot more good in our world that's not getting news and press than there is the bad that we're seeing. So I believe the next decade is going to be something special as people just begin to thrive and live into who they were called to be, not trying to be who mom and dad expect them to be or who the world expect them to be. And there's such a freedom in that. I can't wait to see what it looks like and where it takes off. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, echo your statement there as well. I'm very excited for where things are going to go and how they're going to change. And I love that you, again, see the greatness inside of people and those little things can make such a difference. So Jeff, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak to my audience. So I want to give you a chance to plug where people can best connect with you and find more information about you. Yeah, man. Well, it's been a blast today. The best way for people to connect with me is on my website. It's jeffcochran.online. If you go to jeffcochran.online, you're going to find links to all of my social media, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all of those things. Um, but you're also going to find my blog. You're going to find both of my podcasts. You can buy the book. You can buy courses and challenges. There's a ton of free value there for you where you don't have to buy anything as well. But um, you can even go onto the website right now and uh, within about two minutes, you can have a coaching session set up um, right on your calendar uh, for us. So if, if you want to connect to me in any way, that's the best place, jeffcochran.online. It's got everything in one place for you. And uh, if you'll link it in the show description, my name's a little, little hard to spell sometimes. So you can just look in the show description for that. No worries. I'll definitely include that in the show description. But I want to thank you again for the time that you provided and, you know, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day.